Hello and welcome to the Diz Dads Podcast Midweek Destinations and Diversions Show. It's the Dad Show, your hump day vacation fix for Wednesday, June 27th, 2018. Dad Show is brought to you by Kingdom Strollers. Kingdom Strollers is Orlando's premium stroller and crib rental vendor. Why pay more for a less comfortable, less versatile stroller in the theme parks? Make your reservation at KingdomStrollers.com. You'll pay less for the rental, and they'll deliver the stroller of your choice to your resort. And pick it up from the resort at the end of your vacation for free. Kingdom Strollers, your first choice for Orlando's stroller rentals. And a Disney-featured stroller vendor. Now, before we move on, I, I do want to kind of break with my normal intro bit here just a little bit uh, and extend an extra special thank you to Kingdom Strollers today. Um, as of today, Kingdom Strollers has officially been our uh, podcast sponsor for the Dad Show for uh, beginning now their fifth year. And you know, this show would not have been possible without Kingdom Strollers. Um, back when we first were looking at doing the Dad Show. Um, like just as I announced it, just as I said, okay, guys, I need volunteers to record some trip reports. I got a notice from my web host that we were exceeding our download limits and we were going to have to upgrade to a higher hosting package. <laughs> um, really awful timing. And what it came right down to was that I was about to scrap the dad joke. It wasn't going to happen. And I sent an email to the guys at Kingdom Strollers because I'd met them, um, I'd used them myself, and said, hey, this is what we're looking at doing. Would you be interested? They said yes. They've been enthusiastic supporters of the show ever since. And I just wanted to take a little extra time here to say thank you again to Kingdom Strollers for being the lead sponsor of the Dad Show going all the way back to April 2013. So thank you for your support. And uh you know, really just based on the feedback we've been getting from guys who talk about it on the show, thank you for continuing to offer a great product at a great price. Uh, okay, so enough pandering to the sponsors. This is going to be an interesting one because, once again, we're going to get an opportunity to hear about a completely different kind of trip as I welcome Adam Dale back to the show. Hola. <laughs> so, as Adam gave you a little bit of a hint of, we're not going to be talking about his usual haunts. Uh, we're not going to talk about Walt Disney World. We're not even going to talk about Universal Orlando. Yes, this time, Adam and his wife got to take an adults-only trip for the first time in quite some time and decided to do something completely different. So, Adam, why don't you kind of set us up a little bit? Give us the background of where this trip came from, how it came about, and how you settled on this particular trip. Okay. So, uh, several months ago, uh, the kids, we, we got a new youth guy with, working with our church, and the kids were going to go off to camp with him. And I had some time and a break in work, supposedly. Um with some work and sell off that we're doing. And it was going to be the right time around the time the kids were at camp and Tara and I got to talking and it's like, you know, we ought to do something, you know, do you want to go to Disney world? Do you want to go take a trip? You want to go to the mountains? And about that time I was surfing the web and I started seeing all these advertisements for these new excursions into Cuba. 
And I looked at Tara and I said, you know, we've always said Havana was on our list of places that we wanted to visit. Uh, why don't we uh, look into this uh, while the kids are grown? Okay, so you get this chance to do adults-only getaway and a perfect opportunity to sort of do something a little exotic, a little bit off your usual beaten path. Right, something that we wouldn't also wouldn't feel bad about not taking the kids on. Sure. Uh, Taking the kids to a socialist or communist country uh, that has been cut off from the U.S., embargoed from the U.S. for, you know, five decades – uh, wasn't going to be our first venture out of the, out of the country with the kids. <laughs> but Tara and I were both like, this sounds like this, this just was intriguing. Sure, um, sure. So when we got to looking, uh, we saw that there were several uh, four-night, five-day excursions um, down with a few stops, you know, different itineraries, different stops. Um, but the main highlight was an overnight stay in Havana. Right, right. Um. A couple different cruise lines are doing that now, uh, Norwegian and Royal Caribbean. And that's where you sort of came into the picture as I started asking you a bunch of questions about the two different cruise lines that were doing it. And with your help, we settled on Norwegian. Right. Now, this was an interesting situation because it was really serendipitous. I I had just been looking at it because uh, the timing worked out really well. Norwegian, you know, really both Royal Caribbean and Norwegian are running these cruises to Cuba on their somewhat older ships. And, and there's, you know, there's good reason for that. Um, the port there just doesn't handle a huge mega ship. You'd have to be tendering in and it just would not be a, a good way to handle an overnight st- you know, stop in port. So they're taking their older, somewhat smaller ships. But just as Adam was asking about the Cuba cruise was, as the news was coming out about Norwegian Sun finishing its dry dock refitting, where they did a major refurbishment of the ship, getting it ready to do these uh, sort of regular trips to Cuba. So kind of matched them up because not only was it a brand new refreshed ship, but it's a brand new concept for Norwegian. This is um, the first itinerary that they have done as a sort of, you know, everyday, every cruise um experience it's an open bar ship so it seemed a perfect match for an adults only getaway correct and the first time we talked we actually looked at booking uh on the sky going out of miami right and that's when you came back and said hey the sun would you be interested in going out of canaveral uh the sun's coming out of refurb which we're gonna get into that in a little bit okay (laughs) (laughs) um and it just worked out because it saved us a bunch of money because that was our normal. We're used to that drive. Right. And we were like, you know, we could actually tack a couple of days on at Disney World if we want to maybe get lucky with some soft openings or whatever. And that just worked out. It was just it was the perfect fit. Um, and we liked the idea that it actually sailed on Monday and not on Sunday. Uh, made it a little easier getting the kids off, getting everything everybody settled, us getting down and being able to, you know, have a, a little easier ride and a little easier uh, departure. Right, right. Yeah, you didn't have to really sort of drop the kids and run. <laughs> exactly. Uh, it worked out great because the sun was the only ship in port. Oh, nice. When we got there. So we can get to that in a little bit, too. That's That was super easy. Um, well, I guess we're, we'll... We'll start where we want to, where you want to start. Uh, <laughs> uh, well, yeah, getting, and, 
you, you, you took the, you know, the, basically the road trip to, to Port Canaveral. Um, did you drive in the night before or did you take the time to just sort of take it easy and drive in morning of departure? How, how did you do that? Well, um, the kids, uh, we normally like if we take them to camp or whatever, we usually go and get them settled where they're going is only about a, a half hour drive from our house. And we started talking to them and they were like, uh, no, we're going to go with the group. Uh, just drop us off at the church. We're good. It's like, OK. So we took them to church. We came home. We finished packing. We actually took a nap for a little while and got up. And Tara said, you know, it'd be really cool to kind of see the sunrise off the Atlantic uh, on Cocoa Beach. So uh, I said, okay. I said, all right. I said, sunrise on Cocoa Beach, it is. <laughs> Your wish is my command. So uh, we got up, uh, we slept for a little while, threw everything in the car, and headed out. Um, and we made it. <laughs> <laughs> we uh, it was starting to get a little bit light as we were going down the. Uh, I can't remember the name of the, the expressway between Orlando and um, Canaveral. Uh, it's starting to get a little light. And I was like, I don't know that we're going to make it for sunrise. I think it's going to be up by the time we get there. But needless to say, we got to, to Cocoa Beach, um, got found a place that we wanted to get out, got out and started walking the beach. And the sun was just barely coming above the horizon. So got some really great pictures, you know, of the sunrise. It was a nice morning. It was a little bit cloudy. So the sun was breaking through the clouds. Real pretty. And uh, just sort of milled around there. We didn't. Uh, the ship wasn't leaving till that afternoon. We did. We couldn't even get on the boat till after eleven. So we milled around for a few hours and just kind of killed time there in Coco. Uh, we actually did find a, a kind of a cool little restaurant. Oh, um, I remember you posted some pictures. So talk about this a little bit because this is a new spot that folks tra- traveling on any of these cruises that are departing out of Port Canaveral might enjoy. Yeah, it was. Um, we, we had milled around for a while, and we were like, you know, we've got some time. Shops really aren't going to open for a bit. Uh, let's go get it, grab a bite to eat and take it easy. And I said, well, okay, Google, uh, where's the best, you know, breakfast in Cocoa Beach? <laughs> and, and, you know, it, those of you that's been there, if you go down through there, there's a really – there's your normal – there's a Denny's, and there's a this, and there's a that, and whatever. Well – this this thing came up and it was um, oh my goodness it was bacon was in the title um, <laughs> bacon bacon bar or something like that um, and I'll have to look it up and send it to you and for the notes or whatever but right, right. I was like uh, it was somebody's uh, bacon blues bar um, and I was like you know what that just sounds interesting so. We we turned around and went back, and there it was. It was just kind of on the corner. And uh, we pulled up, and I was like, well, this is an interesting-looking little place. It was, But we go inside, uh, met this real chatty waitress, and she was telling us a few things. And very blues, jazzy style inside. Uh, they got some blues playing and had a small stage in the corner, so obviously they do have live music at times. But – Everything on the menu had bacon of some sort or some form or fashion in it. And uh, I was like, well, that's this is kind of cool. And we got talking to her, and they have only been open for about three months. And uh, they had a variety of stuff. I had a, a bacon sampler platter, which had uh, Canadian bacon, whether that's real bacon or not. Had, it's not um, a tam. 
It's, yeah, had regular applewood bacon, had a, another thick-cut bacon, had what they called southern fried bacon, which was a, just like you do chicken fried chicken or chicken fried steak, beer battered, you know, deep fried, which was really tasty. Uh, then they had another bacon that was done from uh, smoked pork butt, uh, which is kind of. It had a real bacon, a bacony flavor, but it still had that smokiness to it, um, and it was crisp. It, it was different. Yeah. Um, they fixed Tara a big scrambled avocado bacon platter with scrambled eggs and avocado and all that. And we just sat there and hung out and had they had a real good coffee that they had a specially brewed coffee that was for them that they ordered from a, a local um, grind, um, roaster nearby so it was it was a different kind of way to start off and was like well hey we found a neat little spot took a bunch of pictures and shared that with the group um it was enjoyable way to start the day uh we finished up there and milled around did a little shopping hit some of the traditional souvenir shops and whatnot up and down through coco beach and then decided you know what let's just go into the port it says we're not supposed to board till um until 12 o'clock but we'll get there early and if we have to wait we have to wait it's not a big deal sure so we get to the port and we pull up and I'm like, there's no boats in port. <laughs> All that's there's the sun. And I'm like, well, that's interesting. We pull around at the, the port parking deck right there in front of uh, the ship. And there's three cars. <laughs> I'm like, either we're real early or there ain't nobody on this cruise. <laughs> <laughs> so we, we pull up and, this is our, being our first cruise. We weren't real familiar with a lot of things. So we pulled around and I dropped off the bags and then I went around and parked again and we walked over to the check-in. And so we get to the check-in and there's probably 50 people milling around and we go through the check-in, they check us in, they give us our Cuban visa, which some people may not be familiar with this is that you in order to get into Cuba, you got to have some sort of um, reason for being there. Uh, and there's a list, a set list of things that you can do to say you're going there. Um, and you have to document that and keep up with that. And if you do it through the ship and you arrange your visas through the ship, thank you, Aaron, for recommending doing that because it made <laughs> life a whole lot easier. And yeah, you'll it can see, be a little complicated. It doesn't hear have some to more be, about, but it can be. You'll hear some more about how easy that made things later on but um so we we get there and they they check our passports they stay put just a second let's get your room keys um let's get your your visas and get you on the ship so we show up we probably got parked and got our bags unloaded and we're walking up to the to the port to the get ready to check in 11 30 11 40 ish okay before 12 o'clock, I was sitting on deck 11 having a drink. Very nice. So that's it, it doesn't get much easier than that. That was like, hey, say, hey that's the, that was the plan, right? I mean, that that was <laughs> that was what this trip was all about. It's being able to be easy and not have to worry about anything and just be able to get on. Um, Staterooms were ready when we got on. Uh, if we wanted to go down, of course, luggage didn't show up till later, but. Staterooms were ready. We could mill around the ship. So we wandered around the ship, took pictures. Um, we got to our stateroom, and 
went in and I'm like, this thing looks bigger than what I was expecting. Um, I don't really know what I was expecting. I had heard, you know, tight cramped spaces and different whatever we'll get there. And we realized that the reason our room appeared bigger is it was bigger because it was actually a handicap accessible room. Ah, okay. Which which worked out really well for us because our balcony was probably another, um, and it was a full roll around accessible <laughs> room. So we had a lot of extra space. Okay, nice. Uh, so that worked out really nice. Like our balcony, when we got off in Key West, we could look back at the ship a little bit better and see where our room was compared to the others. And the little four foot pieces of glass that go all the way down the ship. We, we had an extra four foot piece of glass um, oh, so on our had, balcony. So you had like a whole extra four foot section. Yeah. So we had the normal like six, eight foot, then another four foot. So we actually had the full open door that slid open. And then we had a whole another section that had chairs and stuff in it rather than chairs being in front of the door. Very cool. So, so yeah, I was like, well, this is kind of neat. And, um, that did have the drawback. The shower was a roll-in shower, so it was a full-tiled shower floor and no step-in or anything. It just, you know, turned right, shower right. on and open floor, which was kind of okay, too, because then, you know, water just goes down the drain. Yeah. <laughs> so so that, that was kind of – we were okay with that. We were like, you know, well, we got a little extra space. Don't know how that worked out, but we're not going to complain. Sure. Um, but as far as the ship goes uh, – it's not the smallest in Norwegian fleet. It's not the biggest in Norwegian fleet. It's middle of the road. Yeah. Um, and uh, we were on uh, deck eight. So we were smack, you know, we weren't at the very top. We weren't at the very bottom either. So um, it was kind of a nice view from up there and we could see around. Uh, went and grabbed some lunch at the buffet, sat out back, had a, had a drink, drink or two and just sort of milled around the ship, met a few folks and just hung out all afternoon. Uh, wasn't a whole lot, lot there going on that first day other than us just hanging out and talking and meeting folks and looking right. at where all the bars were. All right. Well, so, so for the first day, let's, let's kind of, instead of worrying so much about, you know, moment by moment, what you did, uh, talk a little bit then about your environment, because, you know, obviously you, you discovered different parts of the ship at different times of, of your trip, but yes. um, let's get a little bit, deeper into this, you know, refurbished Norwegian sun. Um, you had mentioned that there were some maybe issues that you learned about or that, that cropped up because it was a, a recent refurb. Um, but uh, talk first about sort of your, your impressions of the, the public spaces, right? The, those, you know, any of those open areas, the bars, the restaurant spaces, things like that. Everything was very clean, very orderly, I didn't really see anything wrong when we got on the ship, so to speak. Okay. Um, my wife, of course, immediately pointed out um, for uh, this is probably new. I mean, the same thing for everybody that's cruised before, whatever. But along the the balcony railing, they have the little troughed area that's right there that's supposed to catch condensation or water when they washed off that washes down the little drain and whatever. Well, there was I don't know lint fuzz towel piece or something right there. And she's like, you know, somebody needs to come clean that. <laughs> so, okay. so, you know, we made, made a little phone call. By the time we came back that evening, somebody had been out there. Okay. So responsive um, too. That's good. Very responsive. Um, the um, other public spaces were, seemed to be just fine. Uh, but as the week progressed, um, they were, 
they're obviously still doing some refurb work on the ship, which is mostly cosmetic, I guess would be the word I'd use. Um, a couple different days, they had different areas roped off where they were sanding down the wooden railings and revarnishing them. Oh, okay. Or they were doing some touch-up paintwork here and there. Apparently, during the dry dock or, and during the bring back to Port Canaveral of the ship, they did all the major work. And now it was they were still doing a few touch-up things here and there. Uh, and during a couple of the excursions, we noticed that when per, pretty much everybody was off the ship, they were doing a lot of that little stuff. And we're getting the stuff put away as people were coming back on. Right. Yeah. And that, so, to be honest, that's not unusual in cruise ships in general. Is that during a, a you know time in in port, they'll use that time to do you know touch up things, including on the hull and that kind of thing. But there were probably you know more of that happening with uh, this particular ship, just because, as you were saying, it was you know fresh out of dry dock. Yes. Again, first time cruisers. So we didn't really know what to expect. We knew what we had heard from different people and that's really what we based our impressions off of. Sure. Um, then that night we decided to eat in the, the main dining room. Um, they had two main dining rooms. They both had served the same menu all the time. Um, dinner was okay. It wasn't anything spectacular, but it wasn't anything bad either. It was just, you know, your right. average average food. Average food. Uh, we were throughout the cruise. We were actually kind of impressed with the buffet options. Uh, they kept that rotating and kept things doing different things and always had lots of variety there. Uh, so we kind of would cruise by there every once in a while if we had the munchies or something. Um, so that was, was nice. Um, and those were always open. Yeah, that's uh, nice. Did you try any of the, um, the sort of the, the, the uh, specialty dining. Yeah. Specialty. That's what I was looking for. The specialty dining options. We did not. Um, our goal was is to try to eat dinner in Havana and in Key West. And we were like, by the time we do that and it's whatever, then we wouldn't have really tried any of the stuff that was actually just included in the cruise. So we decided, nah, we'll just skip it this time and we'll try something the next time. Sure. Um, I kind of, Wish maybe we'd have tried uh, uh, the steakhouse or something else just to have done it. But <laughs> at the right. same time, it really didn't fit in um, in the time that we were doing everything. We were trying to right. see as much as we could. And it only was, got so much time and so many things do you want to do. And it's like it's not any different than, a, you know, a Disney trip. It's You can't eat at, eat at every restaurant every trip. Exactly. And, you know, the whole main point of this trip was neither one of us had been to Key West and neither one of us had been to, ever been to, you know, Cuba. Right. And so that was everything revolved around that. All right. So um, that may mean that this next question will get handled pretty quickly. But um, did you take in any of the entertainment options on board the ship or, or were you really focused on entertaining yourselves more in port than, than on ship? During the day, uh, we went and saw uh, – they had a magician. He was pretty good, entertaining. I caught him while Tara was taking a nap one afternoon. Uh, we did go see – they have a onboard comedian. Um, his name escapes me. He, he, is, he is Hispanic. Uh, he actually is um, somewhat known. Oh, okay. Uh, he's Puerto Rican, and he's – this is a, a, a family-friendly show, so I'm trying to think of the right way to say 
what I would describe him. He may not be the most politically correct Puerto Rican. Okay. Um, even in his family friendly show, <laughs> he, he's an he's an equal opportunist offender. I see. How's that? All right. Um, so he, he he works a little blue, and uh, he's a bit of an insult comic. Yes. Um, and what was funny about that is that his family fr- family or his his non vulgar show, right, uh, was more geared towards that, and his more adult show was not. I was after we saw him one night. I was, I was like, okay, if he was this way on the family friendly night, I can't. I, I got to see what he's going to do tomorrow night. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, that it was. It's like, okay, where's he going to go now? Right. But right. so he was very entertaining. Um, we enjoyed that. So that was really kind of. And then we took in as we were wandering around because, um, they took a long time to get to Key West. Would, I would have never thought it would have took that long to get to Key West from Port Canaveral, but it did. Um, well, they do we it left. on purpose. You know, they go yeah. out and loop back. Well, we found out after we got to Key West why. Um, they use – there's a port or a small port that one ship can dock in in Key West, and then there is the Coast Guard naval port. And apparently there is some sort of – or or a some sort of arrangement with them that cruise ships can dock there, but you can't walk through there. Uh, oh, they have okay. to cart you off, and they cart you back on. And if you miss your cart on and off, uh, you're gonna wait. You you end up waiting, or you got to you go get left. Ah, okay. So it's, you, it's it's like tendering only on land. Yes, you you cannot walk through the gates of the um, the training installation there. Um, but the other cruise ship that was docked there was, it was one of the carnival ships and it was at the other end that we could see those people coming and going at will. So I asked questions and that's how it was explained to me. And it's like, look, don't take pictures while you're on this cart. Don't do this. Don't do this. This is a training, uh, an operational training facility. And you're not allowed to do that because you're a civilian. Okay. So, but, um, uh, originally we were supposed to get to Key West, I think earlier in the day and they must only allow ships to stay so long in that according to what people were saying. Right. So, well, it's either that or sometimes it's just a matter of scheduling they, you know, they've got a, they've, they have it booked for this particular time slot and somebody else has it booked for another time slot. Cause yes. you know, anytime any of these cruise ports uh, at this point are busy enough that, you know, the, those schedule, it's amazing to me how they manage those schedules. It's, it's, Almost as bad as as air traffic controllers, you know, dealing with with gates at air at uh, airports. Yes. So we didn't. We left at four o'clock on Monday, and we were in Key West at three o'clock on Tuesday. <laughs> okay. So almost twenty four hours at sea. Right. And uh, so we get off in Key West and um, begin milling around. Um, four o'clock starts happy hour in Key West. That was interesting. Um, Good timing. Yes. Um, and lots of people, it was, you would think, okay, unlimited drinks on the ship. Don't go blow your money all in Key West. There were lots of people that were stumbling to get on the tram to get back to the ship. <laughs> <laughs> people enjoyed their time in Key West. 
Okay. Uh, we actually ran into a couple that were, they were a little tipsy, but their excursion in Key West was to get married in Key West. That's what they did as part of their excursion. Okay. In Key, on there. And we got to talk to them. They were actually from Kentucky and, uh, we got talking to them a little bit and they were like, yeah, we just got married and whatever. I'm like, okay. And they were a little bit, uh, yeah, I guess I'll have to explain that to the kids when we get home. And, meet all kinds we we ran into them quite often of course the ship only held you know 1900 people and i don't think the cruise was full so we saw a lot of the same people a lot of the time sitting around and got to talk to a lot of different people that we continued to run into right Uh so um but we got off in key west they the little tram um they must have it. The Norwegian must have an arrangement with the folks that do the conch uh, train tours around Havana. I mean, not Havana, around Key West, because that was the tram that come and picked us up and took us up to the center of the island. From there, they um, turned us loose. And so Tara and I made the decision that we were just going to um, walk up to Vol Street to from the end we were at to the other till we Till we saw the water and then we were come, come back down till we saw ocean again. And, uh, so we just wandered around and, and ducked in and out of little shops and stuff, uh, uh, stopped in, uh, the famous key lime shop for key lime pie, uh, found a, an unusual cigar shop that sold key lime flavored cigars. Um, Do I need to really, do I have to ask you why you were bothering with key lime cigars on the way to Cuba of all places? Well, I I, I saw the sign and I was like, do what? (laughs) And of course I bought one or two or three (laughs) just because I I messaged my buddy that he's a big cigar fan. I was like, there's a, these, these people sell key lime cigars. And he's like, do what? (laughs) So yeah, I, I brought brought a couple back to try. They're actually not that bad. Uh, they weren't fantastic, but they weren't bad. They were different. Um, and so I brought him back one to try. So I'm going to be interested to hear his take on it. Um, key lime pie, uh, chocolate dip key lime pie is really good. Um, it was the only time on the cruise portion of the, this, that I actually broke my diet for the most part. And I was like, <laughs> I'm going to have a little key lime pie and then I'm going to have some chocolate dip key lime pie. I was just like, Chocolate dip key lime pie. I'm going to try that. It was really good. It's frozen on a stick. Um, we walked down. You know, we did the normal sightseeing stuff. You know, the oldest house in Key West, the oldest bed and breakfast in Key West, the iconic point that's down there on the end, the the Conk Republic statue, and then the, the 90 miles to Cuba uh, concrete buoy-looking end point. Uh, you know, just wandered around and did the, the touristy things to take in, you know, Key West for the afternoon or evening. Um, then meandered back down the street. To, uh, mind you, this all took, you know, several hours of wandering one direction, then to another direction, and then another direction, just wandering around right, with right. no real particular plan. And then wandered back to the train and then went to the ship. And... Lots and lots, like I said, lots and lots of people enjoyed the happy hours on Key, in Key West. Uh, and so we got back on the ship and started noticing people disappeared. Like, <laughs> you, nobody 
took down part in the goes free- Frazier. Down exactly. goes Frazier. Yes. It was like, Tara, this, everybody's gone. So we went up to um, the top deck, went to the back of the ship and sat and watched the, you know, the sun fade off in the distance as we pulled out of Key West, which was really pretty and a nice clear night and enjoyed that and made the decision, okay, we're going to go on to bed. I'm going to set my alarm. You know, the, the itinerary says that we're actually supposed to be in um, the port in Havana at 7 a.m. Uh, I figured there's probably some logistical things there that says that we can't be there before 7 a.m. saying how it's Cuba. So they'll probably take their time to make that 90 mile trek. And of course they did. So I set my clock. I got up before the sun came up and I was on top of the ship as the sun was coming up as we were pulling into um, Havana. So I got some really cool pictures there. Uh, it was really neat to see the island kind of pop up on the horizon as we pulled in. Nice. And uh, you pull into the bay and of course you have, you know, the Ford up on the hill and you have uh Cristo up on the hill, the big st- statue. Um, and then you kind of see down uh, the Marcion uh, as you pull past all that. And it, it was really neat coming in, um, took thousands of pictures. I, I wore out a couple of SD cards <laughs> taking pictures. I just, I just got snap happy. I, I posted a few that we took, but there's thousands to go through to just sort through and, and, and pick out stuff. Um, so we went, ate a little breakfast. We knew we couldn't get off till certain. They had already told us we couldn't get off the ship until, um, I think it was, um, eight 30. We were supposed to meet our meet in the theater to be assigned to our cruise. I mean, our tour, tour guide folks, and then get off the ship. Okay. Now this is a good time to, I think, talk a little bit more about the issues with uh, the Cuba visa and, you know, some of the sort of preparation that you did um, for, for Cuba, because, um, you know, there are still travel restrictions to Cuba, even though there are more cruise lines that are you know, traveling there and having excursions there. Um, there are some conditions and, and, Adam talked about those a little bit earlier when he was talking um, about the visa and the fact that you have to you know, explicitly state the reason that you're going to travel there. And it can't just be to be a tourist. Um, right. That, they fall under the, Of they call it OFACA or OFACA, O-F-A-C. Right. I don't know what it stands the, for. But. It's the Office of Foreign, uh, oh, I should know this, but o- OFAC is, is a... It's an acronym for an office within the uh, the the State Department that deals with um, countries against whom there are trade sanctions of one form or another, and specifically travel sanctions. Um, and so you, you have to meet very specific requirements to be allowed to travel someplace where there are travel sanctions in place, and so what the cruise lines have done is sort of worked with the State Department to craft, um, you know, uh, specifically excursions and things that will comply with those requirements so that anybody who's on the cruise ship has to be, if you get off the ship at Cuba, 
you have to comply with the requirements from OFAC about right. what you can do while you're there. And all the itineraries comply with the people-to-people uh, relations uh, line in the OFAC. Uh, it doesn't meet the humanitarian or the support for Cuban people or public performances. I think there's uh, there's 12 of them, 12 reasons, but the, theirs all meet the people-to-people interaction right. on educational purposes. And something new that I didn't know even getting ready for this until – we actually got on the ship and they actually gave the little, this is, you know, what to do and what not to do while you're in Cuba talk. Um, it was, um, they changed that used to, you could actually, you know, if you had any people to people interaction to try to learn about it, it would qualify. Now you actually have to have at least a sanctioned, um, group people to people meeting and not just going to meet an individual. Right. And that's, that's part of the sort of walking back a little bit of the, the, the restrictions got loosened and then they got walked back a little bit more. So that's part of them getting walked back a little bit more. Um, and it's, it's really two pieces. One that it's got to be a, a, you know, a group encounter. It can't just be kind of wandering on your own. Um, but the second is that you have to document all of this and there's got to be sort of a log of some sort that you present when you come back. It's not, it's not, it's interesting to me. It's not the issue of getting into Cuba. It's the interest. It's the issue of getting back into the United States. Exactly. Um, and so I will give Norwegian props for this. Um, on Tuesday during the day, during the I'll call it the time killing to get to Key West during the day. <laughs> uh, they actually had a, um, a seminar, they called it, um, on visiting Cuba. Uh, they offered it at like nine o'clock on that Tuesday morning before we got into Key West. And then they recorded that and they played it back in basically a loop on one of the cruise channels. And and during all that, they explained, you know, this is what you need to do. This is what you're responsible for. This is what you're responsible for if you did not do a tour through us. And this is what what we are doing for you if you book your tours through us. And basically, as long as you booked a tour through Norwegian, they were covering the paperwork for you. Right. Which was really good because they had a whole laundry list of tours you could do that ranged anywhere from about 100 bucks a person up to about $600 a person. Um, if you wanted to have every moment of your time scheduled for them, they also did explain that as long as you did something through us, you're good. If you want to spend, you know, say that equivalent amount of time, as long as you don't really do double that by yourself. Right. As as long, basically, as long as you balanced it, right. As long as it right. was at least, you know, the same amount of time or less that you did the sanctioned specific tour you could explore a bit on your own as well. Right. So we, we go through all that and we meet and they get us off the cruise ship. And so now you're getting off the game plank to go into, you know, a country that we have had an embargo against for, you know, five decades. Right. And Norwegian, um, kind of had things like if you were going with this group, follow the us as you get off. If you're going through this group, you know, follow this, this, and they kind of pushed people into little corrals as you went through um, the immigration area to have your passports checked, turn in your visas and all that. And the folks that did do things through Norwegian 
we sort of just kind of meandered on through. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, they either were greasing palms or doing something, but they didn't really pay much attention to us. The folks that were doing their own thing, they seemed to take longer to get off. And, right. Well, I mean, if, if you're working with, you know, if you're working through Norwegian, they're the ones, they're there every week, right? I mean, they, they right. do the same itinerary. So they're there every week. The immigration folks know them. They know their process. I think it's just a, a matter of, of, you know, sort of uh, uh, relationship and having a system in place, right? Where right. it's replicable pretty easily. Uh, the other thing, getting off the ship, getting ready, they, they did inform us, you know, you got to be, and I had already researched this, so I knew there's, Cuba has two currencies. Um, you have the Cuban convertible peso, and then you have the Cuban peso. The Cuban, the C, CUC, which is what everybody that comes to Cuba uses, and the Cuban peso is what the Cubans use. Uh, the uh, the CUC is basically a dollar for dollar conversion with the U.S. dollar, except for when you get hit with the inflation, uh, the taxes and the fees, and then it works out to being about eighty-seven cents on the dollar conversion. Okay. okay. Uh, you can avoid some of that if you're going to change large sums of money uh, by in the states changing your money to uh, Canadian or to euros, and then changing those to CUCs <laughs> when you get to Cuba. You can get you only get hit with a three percent fee. You get hit with a thirteen percent fee if you change dollars. Right, and this is all consequences of the economic sanctions because because of the economic sanctions, Cuban currency can't be part of a direct exchange with American currency. Right, and you want to exchange any of that back before you get on the ship. You get hit again with a thirteen percent um, before if if you change that back, <laughs> but. You can't change it anywhere else in the world. Right. You can only exchange it in Cuba. That's it's it's Cuban play money is what it is. Um, but so we did a little. We um, exchanged some money. We we went down to meet our uh, guided tour. We took a we took the option of taking the the highlights of Havana tour, which was a bus tour around the major parts of the city, uh, the normal touristy things. Uh. I don't know whether all the tour guides were as knowledgeable and as friendly as ours or had as many friends in some of the places as ours did. Um, but she seemed to have a lot of buddies that as we got off the thing, the at different spots, she would stop and she would have us wait. And somebody else would come up and talk to us about a few of the things that was somebody that worked in that area or knew something about what was going on there. And we didn't hear that same experience from others that took other buses. Oh, so uh, you, so you got a good, a particularly got good a guide. Good, we got a really good guide. She was probably late 20s. Her name was Nilda. She was very friendly, very fluent in English, um, was very helpful. Uh, when we got um, off at the uh, cemetery, she had a friend that had worked at the cemetery his almost his entire life. He knew all the different famous monuments in the cemetery. And he walked around and talked to us about all that uh, and explained some of the different customs, the way things were built, the way things were put together. Uh, Tara loves that kind of thing. And we could have stayed there all day with her looking at that and talking to him about everything. (laughs) Um, But uh, we, uh, we drove around, we saw, you know, different 
the different embassies that were around. Uh, we went through some of the major, you know, areas that were being starting to be redeveloped a little bit. Uh, you saw some of the little bit undeveloped, but not a lot of that. Uh, we saw uh, the fort. We saw Cristo. We saw a couple of the markets. Uh, bought, you know, had had a chance to you know pick up cigars, rum, coffee, things like that at the market. Uh, do some other, ex, you know, exploring around each one of these areas, and then would meet back at the bus. Um, Nelda would follow us around and answer whatever questions we had. Uh, she wasn't. Uh, trying to think of the right word here, um, completely enamored with her country's government. Okay. But at the same time, she was very respectful of it um, and was very proud of her country. And she would, uh, one of the things that had she not prepared us for this, when we got out wandering on her own, I would have felt just like it was people uh, panhandling in the I'm very familiar with the Atlanta, Birmingham area. If somebody comes up and talks to you, they're wanting money. They're wanting something from you. In Cuba, they're really not wanting something from you. They're wanting to talk to you. Right. Um, yeah, they just want the exchange with they, people who are not Cuban. Yes, they will walk They walk directly up to you, uh, will ask you how you like their country. Um, and, you know, if you – whatever you say, they're like, you know – Cuba's great. Cuba's a beautiful place. You know, they always, they're very proud to be Cuban and to be there and, and want you to be proud of their land and enjoy their land. Uh, they also have no concept of how big the United States is um, <laughs> because they'd ask you, where are you from in the United States? And like, we would tell them we were from Alabama. Um, oh, I know someone from Alaska. That starts with a, is that nearby? Uh, well, uh, we had a lot of people that told us they, they had friends in Chicago. They had family in Chicago or New York and, um, you know, did ask if we knew them. Yeah. <laughs> and stuff. Um, I did get a roll tide from a Cuban, which was very interesting <laughs> when I said I was from Alabama. That's <laughs> I was really like, funny. I, I was like, that's pretty good right there. Did you get that recorded? I did not. I, I was a little caught off guard. <laughs> He knew where Alabama was, and he knew football was king in Alabama, and, and that was even though he was a he was a baseball fan, and he knew who, he knew the Braves, and he knew that Atlanta was near Alabama. Okay, uh, so I was like, okay, you you've done your homework, you, and so um, after our tour around and our first shopping experience, we we decided to take everything back to the ship. Um. And uh, Tara wanted to change change a little bit because it was hot. Um, we've all everybody, most everybody listening to this, been to Florida in the summer, been to Disney World in the summer. It's hot, it's humid, it's sticky. Cuba's a different kind of hot, sticky. <laughs> <laughs> it's it's just different. You you were wet from the moment you stepped off the ship. Yeah, well, you're that much closer to the equator and that much closer to the ocean. Yes, and uh, so. That this was again another one of our Norwegian either is taking care of us or the Cubans surely just don't care. So I've got cigars, I've got rum, I've got coffee, I've got all this stuff, I've got my backpack full. I'm thinking through my head, going, "What did they tell me? I could bring how much I could bring back and how much I needed to whatever." And 
of course, we had already been told that if we bought any alcohol, rum, or anything off off the ship when we came back on the ship, we were supposed to have to check that, and we'd get it at the end of the cruise. Right. Um, we're walking on. Little guy looks at me and says, why don't you just put that back in your backpack? <laughs> okay, he said, you'll have a good night. I'm like, I gotta, I'm not even cracking this. I got an unlimited bar tonight. <laughs> <laughs> why would I, why would I waste this? And so, so I, we get off, we get back on the ship. We put all the stuff up. I'm like, okay, so I've got all my stuff here. Um, nobody checked. Nobody seemed to care. Yeah, put that in my luggage. We won't worry about that. We'll get, we'll load up again. So we leave and we get off the ship again to get out and we catch a taxi out in front of the cruise terminal. We just grabbed one of the, the local um, little taxi car, open taxi car, not old cars, but actually a little, looks like a, I don't know, the, 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 the baseball carts at a baseball field that look like a baseball. I saw those. You know what I think those might be? Um, there was an old, um, I want to say they, they originally came from, uh, might've been Italy, although it might've been somewhere in Eastern Europe too. Um, oh, it's going to bug me. My grandfather actually owned one of these things before I was born. Um, I want to say it starts with a V. Um, oh man, this is going to bug Vespa? me. No, it's no, not Vespa. Um, well, that's what the thing sounded like. Yeah. And that's about how much power it had. <laughs> Cause it, it struggled. Um, to move. But anyway, so we get the guy pulls up and, and I ask him, you know, how much to take us to the National uh, Hotel? Because we were like, we're going to go up to Marcion, go to the National Hotel, and then we're just going to walk back down and see the sunset and just take our time and just walk around. Um, that's something else I will say. Never once in all of our wandering around Havana did we ever feel unsafe. And from the looks of some of the places we wandered by, you probably would have thought you would have. But I've been way more nervous walking around downtown Birmingham and downtown Atlanta than I was at any point in time in Havana. Interesting. Uh, yes. I, I never felt nervous or uh, uneasy or anything. Uh, Tara didn't either. We were both very shocked that we were very comfortable wandering around. Um, so we took our taxi ride up to uh, the National Hotel. Uh, we got out and started taking some pictures, and we immediately noticed the similarities in the lettering and a lot of the things to the Hollywood Tower of Terror, which is very interesting. It's just that same, you it's know, that style of architecture. It's that, that, that 30s and 40s style architecture, even down to the lettering, the way um, the letters were done inside the logos and stuff. It's very interesting. Uh, we went around towards the the restaurant in the back end of the hotel and there was all the different pictures of the famous people that had stayed and where they had signed pictures and hung pictures up where they had stayed there. There was people, you know, from Winston Churchill to Walt Disney hanging on the walls. Yeah. Yeah. Well, yeah, because so, Cuba was a huge tourist destination in the forties and fifties. So we took a lot of pictures of that and uh, just wandered around the hotel and explored that for a while taking photos and seeing things. I mean, there were peacocks out wandering around the front lawn. Um, we grabbed a couple little snacks at uh, one of the outdoor cafes there. Um, just just kind of took all that in. Uh, and then we decided, well, you know, we're going to start walking back. So we walked out the side and went down. And there were lines of these old classic cars that the guys drive folks around and use as taxis and whatever. Um, 
and we we were like, now nah, we're gonna walk. Um, and we walked around and met people. We walked around to the the bottom of the the hill, and there's the big Cuba sign that kind of looks like the um, Hollywood sign in in Hollywood up on the hill with the the fountain flowing behind it and all that. Took pictures there and and wandered, just wandered around for a little bit. And this is where the story gets a little interesting. <laughs> <laughs> so we've talked to all these different people and realized they're just they're just talking. They're just, you know, telling us where to go. When, you know, if you want to get something to eat, go here, go here. You know, how do you like the country? And so we're walking by and this this little guy, um, Eric, comes up and starts talking to us. And we just casually are talking or whatever. And Tara was kind of saying, you know, I, I'm about ready to, to walk on back. I'm, 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 I'm tired. I'm hot. You know, if you want to mill around someone, that's fine, whatever. And he was like, and so Eric was like, he'd been talking to us a little bit. And he was like, I have a, a buddy that owns a car. Would y'all like to, you know, tour the city a little bit? And I show you some of the highlights and whatever. And I was like, and he spoke very good English, like crazy good English, <laughs> like better English than a lot of the folks you run into, say, that are of a Hispanic background in Atlanta and Birmingham and Orlando and whatever. It was like, I was like, well, you know, how much, whatever. He's like, it's the end of the day where everybody's kind of shutting down for an hour, $40. I was like, okay, that's pretty good because we most of them had had offered us $50, $60, $70 for an hour okay. or so. so. This was a bargain. This was a bargain. And if you had taken the classic car tour through the cruise ship, it was $350 a person. So it's a huge bargain. It's a huge bargain. And I told Tara, so I looked at her, said, you, you cool with this? And she's like, yeah, I mean, you know. Again, we never got that sense of being pressured or we're about to get in a car with somebody we just met in a foreign country. We're about to be kidnapped. <laughs> you know, you all the horror stories you hear about different things. We never felt that way. Maybe right. we're just naive, but we were very comfortable. Right. But yeah, but the, the spidey sense didn't go off, right? There was no right. air raised on the back of your neck over this. Nothing, nothing tingled. So – we tell Eric, yeah, and he gets to talk to us about where we're from a little bit more and whatever. And so we walk. He said, we've got to walk over here. Um, my friend will be here in just a second. And so we walked around the corner and a couple blocks over. And sure enough, this little guy in a, a red 58 Bel Air pulls up. And uh, they talk and we exchange some pleasantries. So we get in and off we go. And he takes us all over. <laughs> And we get talking more and he's asking us about where we're from and, you know, asking about Alabama and asking stuff. And we're asking him questions about stuff. And we got to asking questions about, okay, so earlier this morning we were told that you can import cars and individuals can't buy cars in Cuba. It's all government owned and the government imports and the government's the only people that can own cars. How do you have a car? And Milan sort of chuckles and he said i don't own a car (laughs) (laughs) and he said this is my grandfather's and because his grandfather is still alive they can is still in the family right right and so it's sort of like the rent controlled apartments in new york that you know have never they just never admit that anybody ever dies (laughs) exactly so because the family still owns the car and it's still in register to his grandfather is still active and they get a chauffeur's license and they can get a chauffeur's license and they pay a tax on that every month. They're allowed to make what they can make. 
is one of the few jobs that you can make what you want to make and don't have your $40 a month government salary. Right. Okay. So it's, it's the, the last vestige of free enterprise in Cuba. Well, and that's, that's what Eric begins telling us is that um, he's like, if you come to Cuba to visit, you know, if you come here, don't stay at the, the, the national hotel or he named a couple, two or two or three other hotels. He says, look up an Airbnb, look up a, he rattled off a couple of different ways to do things. He said, because if you do that, you're supporting the people and not the government. And what we found out is that $350 that would have been charged per person by the cruise line, the government would have collected 85% of it. Right, right. Is And if you go through an individual, you are supporting that individual and his family and his ability to try to better himself in this society that is very restrictive. So we we get in this this car and we were cruising around and we ended up seeing I'll, I'll go through some of the hots. We saw you know Revolution Square, uh, Che Guevara uh, monument, um, drove back around by the cemetery because I had said I did get some good pictures of the front of the cemetery. So they drove around and stopped in the intersection, let me take pictures, <laughs> and. Uh, then uh, we ended up at Lennon Park and wandering around Lennon Park and the, the statue of Lennon sitting on the park bench. Uh, and then next door to Lennon Park, there is uh, a club that's in the bottom of an old house called the Alice Submarine Club. And they do lots of Beatles cover music and things like that. And uh, he told us about different people there. And he's like, um, then Eric was like, um, my friend from, from school, his Granddad owns this bar next to the park in the house. Do y'all want to go get you know something to eat, a drink, or something or whatever? Mind you, we only agreed to pay him for an hour, and that's all we were supposed to do. And we're already about an hour and a half or so into this, and he's like, "Oh, don't worry about it. Well, it, it's it's okay. We're we're friends now. We'll we'll just whatever." I'm like, "Okay, dude, that's what you want to do. I don't care." So we went next door, and it's worked. Going in this bar, there's, again, all these people, pictures of famous people with this guy's granddaddy on the wall. Folks, oh, wow. like, Harrison, folks like Harrison Ford, uh, Sean Connery, um, Gene it, Simmons. It, 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 it's his own personal wall at Sardi's. Yes. Yes. It's, I, mean, and it, I mean, it's not a little wall. <laughs> it's a big – and so we get there and we get upstairs and we're sitting on the balcony. Uh, the guy comes out wants to know if we want any drinks or want anything. And we're like, sure. And, and they're like, you know, this is Eric's like, this is the place to get a mojito. If you want a mojito in Havana, they, it's old bar. They make best mojitos, whatever. And I'm like, okay, that's what everybody says, but you know, sure. Why not? Well, the interesting thing when you order a mojito in Havana is they come out with a glass with your ice and the, the lime and the, the muddled mint and everything and the, uh, the crushed, sugar cane in the bottom of the glass and they set that glass on the table and then they pull out a big bottle of rum and they go, they tell me when. <laughs> and you say, well, what's today? Tuesday. We'll go yep. for Friday. Yep. We're like, don't stop till you get to the top. <laughs> and, uh, you know, they charge you the same. Very nice. So, so we, we have our mojitos. We have uh, some sort of plantain, uh, a couple other little snacks, uh, a little live bands playing. Um, and we just hang out there for a little while talking to these guys some more. And uh, so we 
we decide to get up from there and we go back and we, we ride around a little bit more and he shows us some of the hotels that have been converted into apartments. And, uh, he's like, I've got friends that live here. You want to see them, you know, you want to see whatever. I'm like, sure. And these guys, they've taken hotel rooms and they have turned them into one bedroom apart. I mean, one room studio apartments that entire families are living in. It was, uh, Havana was beautiful and sad all at the same time. Um, then, uh, we drive by, uh, one of the, uh, this is another part where the story gets a little interesting. Uh, we drive, <laughs> we drive by behind the Capitol is where one of the Cohiba, uh, it's not the factory, it's packaging plant, I guess, for lack of a term, that's in an old mansion that's now, they use it to package stuff. And he's like, I got to run in here to get to meet a friend for just a second. Do you mind waiting with my line? I'm like, well, I'm, it's not like I'm walking back the ship from here. <laughs> so he leaves for just a minute. He comes back and has a whole box full of stuff. They pop the trunk, put a bunch of stuff in there, and he's like, okay, we'll go now. I'm like, okay, I think we've just been part of a cigar smuggle, but <laughs> okay. Um, that works in the story later, too. Mm-hmm. Um, that's one of the things they do tell you. They tell you not to, you know, don't buy cigars, don't buy rum off the streets or whatever. And part of that is because the government controls all that. Secondly, you don't know whether it's stolen or whether it's legitimate or, or whatever. But Right. It's true that they have a lot of issues with counterfeiting. Um, yes. And especially in the cigar market because, you know, look, the reality is that those of us in the, you know, in, in the West and the United States in particular, it's been so long since you've been able to get those things legitimately that – you have no way of knowing. Right. Um, I do have a, a, a friend at work. He is a much of a cigar aficionado. He, he knows his stuff and he had told me what to look for and what not to look for. He actually had gone on the Royal Caribbean version of this cruise three weeks prior to us leaving. Okay. And he's like, this is how you spot the real thing. This is whatever he said, you know? So when the, Later, that comes up in our conversation on our way back to the ship, and I'm like, I might be interested. I might not, you know, but don't be selling me banana leaves. And he's, he's laughing at me at this point. He's like, I'm not going to sell you banana leaves. He said, that that's just cruel. And, and I'm like, well, you know, I just met you, you know. So anyway, so we work out a deal, and I I, I did end up buying a, a box of illegitimate um, somethings um, in, in a foreign country. Um, whether they are truly legitimate or not, I'll probably never know. But I did buy a bunch of legitimate stuff from the market and from the, the state store. So maybe one day I'll compare. There you go. Um, but um, if nothing else, I, t- I told Tara, I said, for the price I paid, um, it's a great story. <laughs> <laughs> you know, uh, I, I, so we, we really enjoyed all that. And, um, so we get, we get done with that and I I pick up a box of cigars that way. And, um, then I get to wondering, I'm like, wait a minute, my, my buddy told me to be careful about buying bought cigars, make sure I had my receipt because you can only bring so much back in and whatever. And I went, you know what, if I take them away from me, take them away from me. I didn't pay anything hardly for them. It's not a big deal. Right. Of course, my my 
illegitimate box actually had all the actual official stickers and stamps and everything on them. So I'm pretty sure they got picked. That was what we picked up <laughs> <laughs> at uh, our little side stop. Right. <laughs> right. Um, so anyway, we get back to the, the close to the cruise terminal and our one hour tour turned into about three and a half <laughs> close to four. Uh, it's, 8.30-ish, and we're getting back in front of the cruise terminal. And Eric said, I told you I'd bring you back to the cruise terminal so you didn't have to walk. We're here. He said, but we can't. He said, we have to park on this side of the street because only government vehicles can park on that side of the street, um, which we'd kind of noticed that. Um, and I said, okay. I said, okay. I said, well, let me let me get get, get your money and whatever. And, and, and I said, you know, we did a lot of extra whatever. Um, I, I don't feel right if whatever he said, I told you $40 or 40 CUCs, 40 CUCs it is. And I was like, okay. Um, so I ended up giving him a little extra and telling him thanks. And he actually gave us his business cards. Him and Milan have their own business cards printed with their information on it and their cell phone numbers. And he was like, well, we're friends now. Do you have Facebook? And I was like, well, yeah. And so dude friends me on Facebook. <laughs> right. And and has actually sent me a couple of notes and asked me if we had a safe trip back home since we got home. Cool. Well, I'll have so, to watch so, the podcast statistics and see if they listen to the show. So, yeah. So I was like, uh, that, that was really cool. So we actually made a Cuban friend. Uh, I feel safe in saying that, that, you know, I mean, if you, you ask for information, you keep up with something. It's not like he's going to do anything to me here in the States. Sure. Um, hey, that's a, that was a, a people to people exchange. That's that, all that, about. Well, that was what I, what I said is that we actually had a true people to people exchange and, and learn something about their culture. And so we're going back through the cruise terminal now and Tara and I are talking about this. And I'm like, you know, I've got this box of cigars. I've got the stuff in my, my backpack or whatever. I hope we get back on the ship as easily as we did earlier. <laughs> and uh, of course, then I still have some CUCs in my pocket. I'm like, I really don't want to trade these back because it's not a lot. And then I'm going to hit with 13% again or whatever. So we just stopped in the, the shop there and bought some extra coffee and, and bought some extra rum. And then I was like, well, you know, I guess I'll have to pay the tax on this if they check me when I come off in the States because I'm buying more than I'm supposed to. But eh, I'm going to get hit with the taxes one way or the other. I'm either going to hit with 13% here or I'm going to get hit when I get to the States. So right. I just rolled the dice. And so we packed. Picked up some extra stuff, went right back up to the spot um, where you come through immigration. And the guy was like, he saw my Norwegian card in my hand and my passport in my hand, and he just waved me on. And we just went on to the ship. All right. Um, so, you know, that that's your big um – Obviously, the reason that you chose this particular itinerary was to get to to spend the time in Cuba. Um, but you know, you, you've gotten back on the ship and um, you had an open bar, and we haven't really talked about the bars yet. So now that you're back on the ship, you know, you didn't want to crack open the Cuban rum because talk about taking advantage of uh, a cruise with an open bar. Well, um, they had certain limits. On things they they did have um i won't say that it was the bottom of the barrel but you had the bottom of the barrel stuff then you have the middle shelf stuff and the middle middle shelf and then you have the top shelf stuff okay uh for the most part 
everything below the top shelf was included. You had to ask, um, like if you if you had a mojito made or you had uh, you know a margarita made or something, you had to you know at least ask for Bacardi or better, or you had to at least ask for you know um, eighteen hundred or something. Right. You that's know, what, up, that, up, that's up why the they shelf. call them. That's why they call them call brands because you got to call them out. Yeah. Um, and and you know, look, they do it because there's a pretty decent proportion of people out there who really don't know the difference and don't care. So, so why waste Correct. the good stuff on them? Correct. So, um, that night we're, we're back on the ship and we're chilling. We, we went and showered off and then went and ate dinner and just kind of relaxed and then had gone to, you know, decided to go around a few of the bars. The, uh, comedians adult show wasn't until 1130 that night. Um, so we decided to kill time just meandering around some of the, the different bars and stuff. Uh, I decided, you know what? Got all these Cuban cigars. I'm going up to the, the, the top deck where the smoking lounge is, and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to crack one open. Um, and it was very funny because I figured that it would be covered. I was like, there'll be people all over the place. No, there was not a single smoker on that deck. I was like, okay. So I sat down and I went, well, you know, I probably need some. So I go downstairs um, and I don't even know what the guy ended up giving me. Um, he reached for a bottle off the top shelf. I was like, you know, I, I'd like a good scotch water. I don't care if I have to pay the upcharge. He said, I don't worry about it. He said, you, look, you got a good, good cigar there. You need something to go with that. And uh, sent me up on my way with my glass and uh, went upstairs and sat down and, and enjoyed a, a Cohiba on the, the deck overlooking Havana uh, for a while while I was waiting on the get ready to go to the show. By the time I was getting done, there actually started to become a few other folks that either had the same idea or saw somebody else that had, was doing it and decided, oh, we'll join in. So had several folks, several guys were, were, were sitting around on the top deck by the time I got ready to leave. But that was an interesting, you know, experience. That, right, right. You know, didn't know that I'd ever have sit, you know, actually enjoying a, a, a Cohiba overlooking the city, uh, downtown Havana. Yes, very nice. Very nice. A nice way to say goodbye to Havana. As you're it was. Out. So, um, let's see. I'm trying to remember. Do you have one more port or are you just back to Port no, Canaveral now? We go back to we go back to Port Canaveral now. Okay. Um, so, um the the all aboard time was uh, supposed to be 5 a.m. Uh, on Friday morning. No, not Friday morning. Thursday morning. Wednesday was in Havana. Yeah, 5 a.m. on Thursday morning. We're supposed to be out. And um, as far as I know, we didn't leave anybody. Um, I, I will say that I did see a couple people. Um, I was up early that morning just milling around. I don't sleep real good when I travel. Uh, so I was up milling around and I did see some people stumbling onto the ship at about four thirty that morning. <laughs> okay. Uh, so they'd been out doing their thing. Uh, really, uh, if I had anything that I wish we had done, I, I, I wish we had uh, went ahead and signed up uh, to go to the Tropicana and see the, the show at the Tropicana. Um, that was a fairly expensive excursion. Uh, but I think it would have been something that we would have enjoyed and would have been worth doing. Sure. Uh, just for the historical just, piece just, of it, if nothing else. 
But I was afraid if we did that, the coming back, because the Tropicana does have a dress code, um, we would have had to come back to the ship, you know, do our stuff in the afternoon, come back to the ship, get cleaned up, get changed, get ready, and then go go back out and then get back in late. We just, it was it was hard to justify the cost and the time away from being able to actually see the city to go do that. Oh, sure. Um, really, um, to really see Havana, you probably need a couple of days um, to really kind of take it in. If you really wanted to see Cuba, you probably need three or four days, um, which is why I talked to you about I had heard there are several other cruises coming up that are going to start doing multiple ports around Cuba. So both Tara and I are looking forward to going back. Um, it was very friendly, very beautiful, beautiful city, beautiful people, friendly people. But then it's still kind of sad that some of the conditions are the way they are. And huh. you, you look and go, it doesn't have to be this way. These are hardworking people. These are very industrious people. I mean, when you see the way that they've gone through and kept these cars running and doing these things in order to make a living and get by, it, it doesn't have to be that way. Sure. Uh, all right. Well, so, so we've hit the point of, you know, where, where we do our usual wrap up questions and, and want to start with, um, you know, this was a couples only trip and you had a, a unique set of, kind of set of circumstances that made this possible for you. It was a bucket list trip, all those things. But if somebody else is thinking about Cuba and, you know, whether they're doing it adults only or not, and they're trying to kind of figure all this out, they, they know they want to do it and they're trying to decide how they want to do it. What, what advice would you give them about this particular option? The, you know, Norwegian cruise line, uh, this sort of four night cruise. I'm going to have to wrap that up into two or three little pieces and I'll try not to drag it out. <laughs> uh, one, do, do your homework, research into where you're going and what don't, don't just meander go, well, I'm in Havana. So now what, um, we saw a lot of people that did that. <laughs> Uh, they were clueless about where they were going and what they were doing and what to expect. And don't do that. Uh, I at least had taken the time to look up, you know, what's, what's the things I need to see? What's the highlights of the city? Looked up a bunch of folks that had toured the city before, knew something about where the things were that I wanted to see. So if I did go on an excursion that if I didn't see everything I wanted to on that, I knew where I wanted to go. And that's how we ended up going to the National Hotel was we just drove by that on our bus tour, but we knew we wanted to see that. So, okay, let's take a taxi and go up there and see it. Right, right. And you knew uh, you had your own list of you know, right. things you wanted to get checked off. The other thing that we didn't get to see besides the Tropicana uh, that we kind of wanted to see, but there just was no way to work it in, was uh, going to the old Hemingway house. Uh, Hemingway lived there for many years. He actually had a house that he ended up when he left uh, donating to the, the people, the cultural society of Havana now runs that uh, and maintains it as a tourist attraction. Uh, I would have liked to have seen that. Uh, I'm a big Hemingway fan um, in general, Sure, um, but um, we didn't, we didn't make it there. Um, so that's we go back. That's going to be on our list of things to do. Um, but 
Um, the other thing is, is you know, unless you just really want the structure of the cruise line and have the wallet for the cruise line to do everything for you there, take the the least expensive or the tour you think you can't work in on your own to cover your visa and let Norwegian take care of your visa and take care of that. And then um, look at their several um, tour groups or whatever that work out of um, Havana that have websites. Um, Cuba is, is connected. These guys run these websites. They have local phone, have phone numbers. You can call them and talk to them and work out, you know, either pre-booking a tour with a guy with a classic car or walking down the square and just meeting one of these guys and, and taking a tour with them worked out really good for us. Um, we saw a lot of things, made some friends, um, that 40, 50 bucks is a whole lot cheaper than what would have cost $700 for Tara and I to do. Yeah. And I'm going to just give a shout out here to a, a particular tour operator that I think does a terrific job and, and really what I like about them is that they're a little bit of a middle ground between the sort of cruise line vetted tour and just randomly finding some guy in the marketplace. Um, <laughs> And uh, it's a, a fairly new operation. They've only been around a few years, but they're expanding really quickly. It's a um, company called Project Expedition, um, and they're expanding worldwide. They're kind of adding market by market, but they, they've got a pretty broad range of things available in Cuba, and the prices are pretty competitive with what Adam was just describing. You know, a little bit more expensive, but you're, the trade-off is that you've got a middleman who has – vetted these particular providers. And so, you know, the, the, um, classic American car tour of Havana, you know, sightseeing tour is, um, $57, not $40. So it's a little more, it, but it's not but 350. Exactly. And if anybody happens to want my new friends information, they're, they're glad to contact me, hit me up any way they want to, and I'll be glad to pass it on. Uh, I told him I would. So, um, other than that, that's all I'll say about that. Um, but you know, you know, 60, under sixty bucks beats seven hundred every day of the week. Exactly. That's a, that's that's a lot. Of, that's a lot of coffee, rum, and cigars you can bring back for seven hundred dollars. <laughs> um, um, all right, and, and then our, our last question that we always like to wrap with, and I think it's an important one. You know, this kind of trip—it's a bucket list trip. Obviously, it's full of great memories. You, you know, shot thousands of pictures. Probably, there's always one. That's the enduring snapshot of every trip. What's that moment, that that singular moment that anytime you think back to that, you know, adults only cruise that you took, it's going to instantly trigger the memory of that trip. I'm going to give you one and then you ask me one later. <laughs> um. My favorite favorite picture, and it'll always stick out, and it's not even of Tara and I in the picture. Um, I told Eric and Milan that I wanted a photo of them by the car so I could show everybody our tour guides and the guys that we hung out with in Havana. And Eric stood by, and I said, y'all got to get closer in the picture. And he said, um, you're, you're not going to post this until people were gay or anything, are you? And, and Tara just dies laughing. 
because he would he would and he was very genuinely concerned that people would think that they were a couple because we wanted a picture of them together. Okay. And and that will always be it's just that moment of it's a different culture, it's a different people, whatever. And he didn't want us making people that we knew in the States think that they were a couple. Right, right. And that was it was he was genuinely, you know, he, he wasn't being anything about that. He didn't mean anything by it. He just didn't want people to think that, you know, that was his boyfriend. Right, right. That the, was that, that moment was of, of Cuban machismo. Yes. And uh, I was like, you know, you, you just that was it was it was kind of funny. And we all kind of laughed about it later uh, when we were sitting there talking um, over drinks. But that was we'll always remember that moment. And I have that photo. And every time I scroll through and I see that photo, I start laughing. And that was I know that's kind of an odd <laughs> moment to remember, but it it was well, but it is, and it's a memorable photo, and and it's a good example of the kind of thing. It's not necessarily the the most exciting moment of the trip. It's not necessarily the most poignant moment of the trip. It's just a moment that ends up becoming a signature event because it, it's uniquely tied to that trip in some way. Yes. All right. Well, Adam, you know, I know that this was a, a bucket list trip. There was so much happening and so much going on. It's kind of hard to cover everything. But is there anything important that you feel like you really need to make sure you remember to share that I haven't asked you about? I, I think we covered it pretty well. Um, I would I would say this. Uh, if you get a chance to go, go. It's very different. It's very different from any of the stories people have told me about the Caribbean, uh, from other parts of Central America. Uh, it's very eye-opening in a lot of ways um, and we we want to go back uh, both of us talked about it all the way home driving home that we want to go back we we would like to go back and experience more of it and and see the countryside and spend more time in the country all right well, that's all great information. I really appreciate you coming on and, and talking about this trip. I think that this was a, a really fun departure from the kinds of things we normally talk about. And you had some really fun, great experiences to share. Well, thanks for having me on. I'm glad that uh, I could share. And I'm really glad that you were able to help us out because we were charting new territory in this and weren't real sure how we were going to pull it off. <laughs> well, I'm glad I could help with it, too. One little spark of inspiration is at the heart of all creation, right at the start of everything that's new. One little spark lights up for you. Oh, hello there. So glad you could come along. I am the Dream Finder. Musical notes. What delightful melodies those will make. I love these flights of fancy, searching the countryside for sounds, colors, ideas, anything that sparks the imagination. A sunbeam, that's a good one. Everything that I can collect can inspire amazing and marvelous new ideas. And you never know what kind of figment you may come up with. <laughs> Here's my favorite. Two tiny Eyes big and yellow, horns of a steer, but a lovable fella. From head to tail, he's royal purple pigment, and there voila, you've got a figment, a 
imagination. <laughs>